Last time on the Skip and Josh podcast. Did you see when he came in and they were all mobbing him at home plate? He was holding his shirt. Yeah, I think it's because this new thing is when you hit a walk-off home run, they rip your shirt off. Exactly. Which I don't quite understand why they do that. I mean, why are you ruining a perfectly good shirt? You're listening to the Skip and Josh podcast with Skip Sherman and Josh Obadia. I'm Josh in Toronto. And I'm Skip in Montreal. In today's episode, lead singers who also play goalie. No sign of Marlins, man. And bad TV guy descriptions. But first, the World Series. Okay, Skip, so we're going to talk a lot about baseball in this episode, and we're going to get into uh, the emotional roller coaster that I've been on for the last five or six days. But before we do any of that, I have a few rapid-fire questions for you. Uh-huh. To get us started here. Baseball related or? Yes. Let's do it. Major League Baseball. So the first one is, what channel have you been watching the World Series games on? Interesting question. <laughs> and there's really only one correct answer to this question. Well, I mean, I've been switching back and forth. Uh, but That's mainly the wrong wa- answer. No, but mainly watching on Fox. Okay. Mainly watching on Fox. I do, I have switched to the, well, people... We should explain to the listeners like what we're talking about because American listeners don't have the choice that we have. Actually, actually... I think they do because they have the American feed on Fox and they have the international feed if they want. But where do they get the international feed? On what channel? Uh, Probably on MLB Network or maybe on MLB Network. I don't know. Somewhere. I'm sure they can get it somewhere. It could be MLB Network. But here in Canada, anyways, on Sportsnet, we have what's the international feed. And the drawback of the international feed is that Buck Martinez. Is one of the announcers, and I just like he's he's brutal. Like he forget, like you can't listen to him call a game. I'm I'm just very surprised because they could get any color commentator they want from any of the twenty, sorry, any of the thirty teams, yeah. and 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 so they can get anyone they want because none of them are working right now, yeah. and this is the one that they select. I'm not I sure think, why. I think this decision is because. Um, they know that the international feed is reaching a lot of Canadian viewers, or maybe they think that. I, I, this is my feeling. I'm basing this off of just no my own intuition that maybe their feeling is that the the international feed is is reaching a lot of Canadian viewers, and they want to give the Canadian viewers the voice that they're used to hearing, which is Buck Martinez, the voice of the Blue Jays. Except what they don't realize is that we Canadian viewers would prefer anybody else. <laughs> now I will say this. Matt Fazgurgeon is doing the play-by-play, and I actually like him quite a bit. He's fine. He's f- absolutely fine. Yeah, he's good. So so I have been switching back and forth. I just sometimes I like to hear what they're saying on the other channel and, you know, get a different point of view here with the – just to mix it up. But the, really the real reason why I have been switching back is I find the picture quality much better on Sportsnet than it is on Fox. Anyways, that's for me anyways. Okay. Well, I haven't – I've only watched about 30 seconds on Sportsnet, so I can't mm-hmm. really say. Okay. But this was supposed to be um, rapid fire. So question number two is, have you been able to stay awake until the end of every World Series game? No, no chance. Zero. Nor have I. And, and, And the final rapid fire question, have you seen any Marlins man sightings at any of the games? I haven't. Nor have I. I actually was looking closely yesterday because the, the, um, the shot from the, in Nationals Park it's it's a really nice shot they have of behind home plate. You could see really, really clearly. And he's definitely not there. I mean, 
I don't think he is anyways. No, I haven't seen him at all. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe they, uh, they're all colluding to make sure he doesn't get the good seats. I don't know. <laughs> maybe <laughs> he's got other things to do finally. I don't so, know. So, so before the series started, you asked me if I was prepared for the nationals to win the world series. And I said, absolutely not. And then during game two, in fact, I think in the first inning of game two, when the nationals had a lead, yeah. uh, we were texting each other. And I said to you, if the nationals win game two, the series is over. And well, I was about to text you the same thing. Like, when you beat Verlander and Cole, and you go up to nothing, both games winning in Houston, you know, you don't want to say it's over, but like it's basically over. Yeah. And now Houston's obviously proved all of us wrong by coming back to win the next. Well, two we'll games. get to game three and four in a second, but yeah. So, um, after game two, I was—I don't know if you want to say the word depressed. I mean, that's a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, you don't... I you wasn't happy chewing. after game two. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. I thought the series was over. Right, right. Yeah, no, I did too. I mean... Especially the way they lost. Yeah. But oh, let God. me but let me talk a little bit about game two because... Sure. The turning point in game two, you remember the inning where Verlander was taken out of the game? That actually wasn't the turning point. That was a really bad inning. But the turning yeah. point happened a half inning before that mm-hmm. when the Astros were hitting... And A.J. Hinch pinch hit for Robinson Chirinos. And it was a useless pinch hit appearance. I forget the name of the guy who pinch hit for him, but he struck out and the inning ended. And so the reason that was the turning point, in my opinion, was because two reasons. Number one, first of all, you know how pitchers are, right? Pitchers are, they're, they're they're very finicky. And so that meant that he had to bring a new catcher into the game. And so for the very next inning, yeah. Verlander was pitching to a different catcher that he had not seen the whole game. I mean, obviously, they've been teammates all season. They know each yeah. other. It's not a big deal. Yeah. It shouldn't be. But I have a feeling that the fact that he was throwing to a new catcher, it might have thrown him off a bit. And that led to the home run that he gave up. If that's the case, that's pretty sad, though. But yeah. Anyway, that's one thing. The other reason I think that that, that was the turning point for game two was because up until that point, before he pinched it for Trinos... Neither manager had made any moves. Neither manager had pinch hit for anyone. Neither manager had taken out their pitcher. Both pitchers right. were had pretty much identical stats going into mm-hmm. that inning. Mm-hmm. And so by, by the Astros pinch hitting, that meant that they were blinking first. They, it, was, it was almost as if they were like, oh, this is our only chance to score a run in right. this game. We need right. to capitalize on this. And so we better pinch hit. And they did. And it didn't work. So now they've used one of their few bullets if Uh, you will yeah yeah and and it it didn't work and the thing is if you're behind in a game i get that you might feel the need to do that but the game was tied yeah and i felt it was a little bit too soon to be doing something like that right Um, even though even though it might have been the sixth or the seventh inning at the time i don't know still a little bit too soon to be doing that so i thought that pinch hitting for chirinos who obviously in games three and four has been on fire um was the turning point in game two Right. Anyway, then you then you fast forward to game three. Right. You figure the Nationals have all the all the momentum. First World Series game in Washington since nineteen thirty nine, something like this. Thirty three, I think. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Well, the thirties, let's say whatever. And you know the the fans there going nuts and the atmosphere at the ballpark and and then Houston goes out and. Takes care of business. No? Well, I think Dave Martinez made a big mistake in game three because yeah. 
I don't know how you don't have Howie Kendrick in your starting lineup. This guy has been the catalyst of your team throughout the postseason. I I get that he's weak defensively. I get it. But you used him against the Cardinals at second base. You used him against the Dodgers at second base. So now when the games are more important, you don't put him at second base and you don't put him in your starting lineup. I right. And then you notice he brought him in to pinch hit and, and he got a hit in his only pinch hit appearance in game three. Right. Now I'm not saying that the Nationals would have won the game if Howie Kendrick started, but I think that was a mistake. And I think Martinez realized his mistake because in game four, Howie Kendrick was in the starting lineup. Yeah, he's an important batter in their lineup because so you, obviously... The, the Nationals lineups revolving around two hitters, basically, right? Rendon and Soto. And then when you don't have anybody batting after Soto that the other team's respecting, that's it's huge, right? There's a huge drop-off. Like, I get it. Zimmerman, whoever, whoever they're, whoever's batting after, you know? It's not the same. Kendrick is, Kendrick's a hitter, mm. right? So, so I think that that was the turning point of game three and maybe possibly the series because we'll yeah. see what goes on next. Um, but game four, there was no turning point. Game four was, well, no, it was over no, because the turning point happened in game three and so far. Yeah. No, 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 know, no but yeah. The yeah. Astros have, have had the momentum. Yeah. Now, another thing that happened in game three, I texted you during the week when um, MLB announced their gold glove nominees and somehow... Somehow Juan Soto, who's a phenomenal hitter, but an awful defensive player, is nominated for a gold glove as as a left fielder. It makes zero sense. When you sent that to me, I was like, is this an article from The Onion? Is this some kind of spoof? Like, what is this? He He better not win. Well, he probably won't, but but still. But then, I don't know if you saw what happened in Game 3. First of all... He makes this brutal throw to the plate that he shouldn't even thrown. That throw was awful. First of all, you're right. He shouldn't have thrown it. And then when he did, he sailed it like a mile over everyone's head. It reminded me of some of the throws you used to make 25 years ago from center field into the backstop. This is true. <laughs> um, but you're not a professional you know, baseball player. And you right. have not been nominated for a gold glove award. So you get a pass. Right. Okay. Um. And then later in the game, a ball gets hit to, into the corner, and and he butchered the ball, which led uh, which led um, Altuve take an extra base. He's an average outfielder at best. At best, you're, at you're best, being generous. At best, average. So when you sent me that thing about the Gold Glove, it just reinforced everything that I've already known and always thought about the Gold Glove. The guys who are voting on this. Don't actually watch games. Well, they, they watch. Don't know. They probably watch the team Their that they team. cover, and that's it. Yeah, like and then who they can watch? Down the who like, can yeah, watch Juan fifteen Soto. games a day? Right, and they're like, oh yeah, Soto. He's a pretty good left fielder. We'll nominate him. But like, they have no clue that he can't catch. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know if you remember. I think it was against the Dodgers. There was a routine when he was a, awful. A routine but fly ball that, a, like, you know, anyone could catch, and 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 he totally he totally blew it. He made one great play in the postseason. I forget which series it was in. I remember him thinking, wow, that was a really nice catch. But, yeah, he's no good. He's the most important player on the Nationals. Don't get me wrong. They cannot get him out. He is scary every time he comes to the plate. Every single time he's at bat, you think he's going to hit a home run. That home run that he hit the other night, it's still going. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? 
he hit it to opposite field and left field. That 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 was what a, like I was in awe of when I saw the re- like when you see the home run it leaves the bat and it goes deep. You're like, wow, what a shot! But when they showed it like on the replay, how far the ball went and where it landed, holy smokes! I mean, talk about power, you know. So so now obviously now yeah. as as disappointed as I was, you know, after game two, yeah, I'm I'm slightly giddy after game four. Yeah, yeah. Although, although you're like the only person in the world, by the way, that's rooting for the Astros. You know, it it feels like that because everyone I talk to hates the Astros, and I don't understand why. Well, they came out this week. This whole story about this female's reporter and the the this the um, assistant GM that got fired, and it's basically like the whole Astros organization looked like a bunch of a holes. And I think a lot of people just don't like the Astros organization in general. They have this vibe of like, we're smarter than, we're the smartest guys in the room and you guys don't know anything. But like, look, I'm rooting for the Astros too. Don't get me wrong. But like, we have different motives for, for rooting for the Astros. You know, like, we're, we're more, you're really more rooting against the Nationals and not for the Astros, wouldn't you say? A hundred percent. But I mean, right. let me, let me touch on the two points that you made. First of all, the whole incident with the assistant general manager and, yeah. and and how he treated the the female reporter. Yeah. yeah, that's one idiot on the team. That's not yeah. the whole no, organization. No, 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 it's more than one idiot because and they fired the, pro- him. the the problem is they fired him only because they looked the whole organization looked like a bunch of idiots. You know, they came out the next day and said he didn't do anything wrong. We did our internal investigation. They tried to point the blame at the reporter from Sports Illustrated, and then when it came back that they were wrong and they were looking really, really bad, then they fired him. So I get it. Anyways, I don't want to make this into like, I have a list of, look, we didn't talk about the NBA in China. We're not going to talk about, we're not going to talk about this either. You know? No, no. But, but before that incident, which is like not even a week old, yeah, there was no reason to hate the Astros. Like, if you look at all the professional sports leagues and all the perennial good teams, like the New England Patriots, yeah, the Golden yeah, State yeah. Warriors, you could put the Houston Astros in there. I don't even know who you'd put there for hockey. If you look at all of them, mm-hmm. the Astros are probably the least annoying of all those teams. That's true. <laughs> so, you want to hate the Astros? Go ahead. I'm mean, not you, but oh, other look, people. Most people. I'm, I'm rooting against the Nationals. There's no question. You know how it is, right? A lot of people are jumping on the World Series. They haven't watched baseball all year. And they're like, oh, the Astros, they're in the World Series again. Weren't they in it two years ago? And, like, people just resent them. And then the Nationals are this feel-good story, right? So, anyway, for, so, us, so, for some people. <laughs> so I am feeling, obviously, a little bit better, you know, last night and this morning than I was, you know, after game yeah. two. However, having said that, yeah. um, so now it's a best of three. Yeah. Okay. Could I just could I just interrupt you for a second? Just want to like set the scene a little bit. It's currently Sunday afternoon, <laughs> and it's it's uh, four forty four forty three on Sunday afternoon, and um, game five is going to be played tonight. So by the time this podcast is released, game five will have happened already. So that is correct. or will be under or will be being in the midst of being played. So we can't really you know it's kind of weird timing, but just let people know where we're at, you know? But I just want to say that, you know, I've to- I've spoken to some people who follow baseball, who've been watching the World Series, mm-hmm. and one friend of mine thinks the series is over and the Astros are going to win the next two games easily. And oh, and I and I and I don't know about that. Like if you look at, you know, both teams have their their pitching rotation set up perfectly. 
And if you went to talk to Dave Martinez or AJ Hinch in private right now and said to them, you know, off the record, you know, how do you like your chances going forward in the next two games? I'm sure both of them would say, I love our chances. Yeah. Oh, I, oh well, I mean, they can't say anything different. No, no, but, no. I'm not yeah. saying public. I'm saying privately. Privately? Of course they're going to say that. Like, what's interesting about this World Series is, like, it's been... I can't think of a World Series where we have four starting pitchers, <laughs> two on either team, the caliber of Scherzer, Strasburg, Verlander, Cole. Like, I can't think of a World Series like this, right? I mean, we're going to have... Sh- we're going to have Scherzer Cole tonight, and then we're going to have Strasburg Verlander tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, sorry. That's, that's insanity. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's a fan's dream, right? Like if you love baseball, this is what you want. And yesterday's starting pitcher for Houston pitched better than all four of those guys. <laughs> and it was like, he only started seven games all year. I think that guy. I don't even think it was that many. <laughs> It's incredible that, like, in the most important game of the season, Hinch is like, yeah, you got this, right? Well, I mean, it just goes to show you, first of all, historical stats, you got to throw them out the window, number one. Yeah. So yeah, you're yeah. sure, Verla- Verlander's been great all season, and Cole's been great all season, but you saw what they did in games one and two. Yeah. The other thing you have to throw out the window is, this guy, who may have only started seven games all season and was in yeah, the minors. seven. Seven. It... That doesn't mean anything because have the Nationals seen him? How many how many teams have seen him? How many right. teams know his stuff? So the, the element of the unknown is more important than, oh, like having, you know, a Cy Young pitcher on the mound. Yeah, yeah. And he started, yeah. I mean, look, he's, 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 been, he's been very, very solid for him in the limited time that he's been pitching since this year, right? He's, he's, they clearly have confidence in him. I was a little disappointed when they took him out because he wasn't in any trouble. They just took him out for the sake of taking him out, which I, it annoys me when they do that. And then the guy they brought in actually gave up a run. It was weird because I felt like both teams were going into the game with the idea that they were going to heavily use their bullpen, right? This is the game, right? The fourth starters pitching, and you're probably going to have to use guys maybe that you didn't use before. But the Astros were in a position not to use their bullpen, right? And there's no reason to save him because he's not going to pitch again probably in this series. You might as well let him go as long as he could yesterday. You never know. Game seven, they can bring him in in relief. I I mean, I don't think they're going to need him though. That's my point. You might not. Um, You might not. So how about that Fernando Rodney? Well... (laughs) I mean, by the time by the time they brought him into the game, it was already over. Well, it was only four to one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was four one. It was over because you saw the Nationals weren't generating any offense. I know. Um, but you've got the worst pitcher in baseball facing possibly the best hitter in baseball. What did you expect besides a grand slam? <laughs> I I actually fully expected a grand slam well, or a bases clearing double at least. There you go. It's amazing, right? Because Alex Bregman has not looked good in the World Series or even in the previous series. He does have two homers in the World Series already and one of them's a grand slam, so you can't take that away from him. But like he, he hasn't looked like like Alex Bregman is the best hitter on the Astros. <laughs> he right? could be the best hitter in baseball this year. I I agree. I think he's the best player in baseball when you well Mike Trout aside. Let's Even with Mike Trout, Trout, their numbers are are almost very, very close if you look Bregman at Bregman is an incredible defensive player as well. That's right. Right, Although so he made two errors in game two. I know he, he. Well, one of them was an error, but it was a very difficult play. That one, one of them. Um, 
I don't know, Bregman. If if he if he's on fire, like they're in trouble, <laughs> right? Like the, the Nationals are in trouble because well, he's he's a difference maker. You know. You know what they say when you have a cough, you're supposed to take Robitussin, even though it tastes awful. Okay. <laughs> if you're in a batting slump, you just need to face Fernando Rodney, and you're out of your slump. I love it. There's only one good thing you could say about Fernando Rodney. Um, I like the way he wears his cap. I hate the way he wears his, his cap. <laughs> it's like his trademark, you know? Looks like it's going to fall off every pitch. Yeah. Meanwhile, my favorite thing about the Nationals, and I know it's crazy, is, okay, so Annabelle Sanchez pitched the other game, right? You're not going to get this on any other podcast, by the way. <laughs> You're not going to hear stuff like this anywhere. He he didn't pitch. He pitched he didn't pitch great, Sanchez. He pitched fine, you know, like, but he had pitched, you have ex- expectations that he's going to almost throw no hitters, you know, like he did in the other series. I like him when he's in the dugout, when he's not pitching, because I like the glasses that he wears. There's a story about those glasses. Apparently him and two other guys, they were on a road trip this season and they yeah. were walking around and they saw this, you know, these little kiosks where you get yeah. stuff for like a dollar or something. And he bought a whole bunch of glasses. And, and the three of them bought these these weird, goofy glasses. And, and maybe oh, they're not yeah. a dollar. Maybe they're actually expensive glasses. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it's him and Para and uh, one other guy that ended up buying the glasses. Anyways, I just so. like it because one day I saw him and he had like, they would look like red lenses and the next day he's got yellow lenses and I'm like, what is this guy? I had an endless supply of glasses? Like, what's going on? So I just, I can't wait to see what happens next. Can I tell you a couple things that bug me about the, um, about the World Series? Things that bug me? Yeah, let's hear it. It's not so much the World Series. Okay, so I get it. A lot of people that are watching these games yeah, they've never the watched any. They've never watched any Nationals games all season or any Astros games all season, so right. th- so they don't know who these guys are. Like, I mean, you heard of Max Scherzer, obviously, and you've heard of Justin Verlander, but like, do you know who the backup catcher is on either of these teams? If you're not following it, no, you don't. No, no. So anytime a new guy comes into the game, you know Joe Buck and, and John Smoltz, they got to talk about the guy. They got to tell you like, oh, what this guy's done, why he's on the team, why they put him on the World Series roster. I get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the thing is, every guy that they, they bring in, Joe Buck and John Smoltz, they only have good things to say about the guy, even if the guy is terrible, like Fernando Rodney. He's terrible, yet they somehow find only good things to say about him. Right. You know, Fernando Suero, Rodney. he's terrible, but they find good things to say about him. Just tell it like it is. The guy's terrible. What they should be saying about Rodney and Suero is... The Nationals really don't want to use these guys, but they have no one else. That's literally what... The summary of those two guys. Exactly. Right? That's what they like, should say. But there's Dave no Martinez chance they're ever going to say that. Yeah. Dave Martinez is doing everything he can not to bring Suero and, and Rodney into the game. Well, you could tell that Patrick Corbin was having some trouble yesterday. But they didn't want Davey to Martinez wasn't even making a trip to the mound because he's like, Patrick, you're in this jam. You're getting out of this jam because you're not coming out of the game anytime soon because we got yeah. no one else. Yeah, they really have no one else. Which was the right thing to do. I'd rather have Patrick Corbin struggling than anyone from their bullpen. He really was struggling. He couldn't throw strikes. In the end, he only gave up four runs, which wasn't, I mean, it wasn't great. Yeah, it wasn't terrible, but it could have been yeah. a lot worse. But you're right. The feeling of that game was that the uh, the Nationals were never going to score. Like, I know they got the Grand Slam to make it 8-1, to one, but, like, I never felt that. Yeah. Did you ever feel that they were going to score? No. no, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> now, here's the other thing. This is just uh, me being nitpicky. Yeah. So you know when you turn on your television and on the guide, you can go look at the description of the show that you're about to watch? Sure. It used to be back in the day, there was virtually no description. You know? 
for anything, especially for sporting events. Like if you looked at the description of a sporting event, it would say, you know, Montreal Canadiens versus Toronto Maple Leafs and that's it. Yeah. Now these 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 descriptions, at least with Bell, I don't know how it is with Videotron. I'm gonna look. They get they get so elaborate these descriptions. So now, like if you're watching like an NFL game, it'll say you know the five and two Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen that. Take on the uh, the the seven and zero oh, whatever. Um, you know, and then it even goes on to say how uh, Aaron Rodgers takes his uh, undefeated record in Lambeau. It goes on and on. It's like this whole long like uh, synopsis. Right. So they had a thing about the World Series. So they had a thing about the World Series, and I just cut and pasted part of it here because uh-huh. this bothered me. And here's what it said on the guide. It said, you know, Washington Nationals versus Houston Astros. It was on to say, Washington advanced to the club's first World Series in its 50th year of existence. Oh, that's nonsense. To me, that is erroneous because it's they're wrong. not in their 50th year of existence. Well, I mean, I guess if they're counting all the Expos. But that's not Washington. I know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're anyway, right. Again, me uh, that be, that me, is that's a bad bad take right there. Me by, being by the guide. No, no, it's that's that's bad. But we're the only ones that really care about that. All the Expos fans, you know. So, and now one thing I really like about the World Series, mm. I really like the two three two format. It's fine. I don't as, have as a opposed to two way. two one 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 two three two. Yeah. I really like it. Well, it's it more it. It mimics the regular season a little bit more in that you play three games in a row. Yes, which you should. Right? Which you should. Like all year long, you play three games and you have a travel day. Then you play three games and you have a travel day. Or sometimes you play four. Like basically you always play at least a three-game series, right? And then here it's like, okay, two days, travel day, two, you know. So it's I think it's a little bit more indicative of what the teams are used to doing and how they should be scheduling the games. It'll never happen in hockey. I think they tried it once or twice, but and, and I don't think it should happen in hockey because hockey's different. No, hockey is different. They need that travel day. Um, but I wonder if if it should be two three two in basketball. I wonder. There's a big debate about that. Um, I've heard David Al- David Aldridge talk about it before, and I don't know. I think they don't like it because they feel like the home field. The home court advantage in basketball is always so great that it's like somehow if that anyways, if the if the underdog can win one game, right, Mm. then all of a sudden they can sweep those three at home, you know, like, I don't know. I don't I don't know if it's valid or not or whatever. But yeah, I think they tried it at one point in basketball. Now they went away from it. I'm done with baseball. You are. I am. I just want to talk about you, Darvish. Okay, he hasn't played in a few weeks, but okay. <laughs> so did you, I mean, of course you saw the play where Justin Verlander tried to field the ground ball and he dove for it and then he threw it and he threw it off his foot. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Okay, so you, Darvish, has been waiting two years to reply to Justin Verlander on Twitter. <laughs> what? So apparently, well, I mean, you can go and look at the Twitter threads and stuff, but two years ago, or it's not exactly two years, but it's like 500 and something days ago, you Darvish made a terrible play fielding a ground ball. And Justin Verlander tweeted to him saying, you, you know, you're making all us pitchers look like terrible athletes. You know, you're, you're reinforcing the stereotype that pitchers are not good athletes. And now Verlander makes that play where he throws the ball off his foot 
And then, of course, Hugh Darvish replies to that tweet from two years ago. <laughs> Good for him. To Justin Verlander saying, hey, what happened, buddy? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So uh, Verlander kind of laughed it off, and it, there's no hostility there. But I just think it's really funny. Like, talk about, like, keeping something in the vault, you know? Good for you, Darvish. I would have done the same thing. <laughs> of course. And by like the way, it's it's not just you, Darvish, that's making all pitchers look like bad fielders. It's all pitchers that are making all pitchers look like bad fielders because they run away when there's a pop-up. That's so true. Pitchers are not good fielders in general. They're really not. You know, yesterday I was watching MLB Network for a couple of minutes and they were doing this sort of like a documentary on Billy Martin and they were showing some scenes from way, way back. I don't know how long ago it was. Okay. And, and you know, it was when the Yankees were really good in winning World Series all the time, year after year. And they showed a clip of the last out of one of the World Series that they won. The ball was popped up to the pitcher. And the pitcher was calling for it and telling everyone, get out of the way, get out of the way, I'm catching this ball. And he caught the ball. Like, it was no problem. Right. So, so at one point, this idea of pitchers not being able to catch pop-ups, like, I'd love to know when it started. I don't know when it started, but it, back then, pitchers were allowed to catch them. Anyway, enough of that. Right. Enough of that. Okay. So I'm done with baseball, too. Let's let's enjoy Game 5 tonight. And, and actually, by the time we do our next episode, we will have a World Series champion. Correct. The National Hockey League. So, um, I have a couple of hockey notes. That's great. Let's do it. On our last episode, we forgot to congratulate Victor Mete on his first NHL goal of his career. It was huge. Monkey off his back. There was he's played, um, he's played like two and a half seasons without scoring a goal, the guy. Actually, so they put up a graphic when um when when Mete finally scored his goal. Right. Most club games played before their first NHL goal. This is just okay. for the Canadians. Yeah. So Victor Mete leads the club. It took him 127 games before he scored his first goal. Crazy. Here are the other players on the list for the Canadians. Mike Komisarek, it took him 123 games. Oh. Lyle Odeline, it took him 93 games. Okay. And Craig Ludwig, it took him 86 games. He's in good company. Those are all good defensemen, but very defensive defensemen. Right. So those are the top four. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting. So did you watch any of the Habs Leafs last night? I watched the first period because Mm -hmm. it was on before the baseball game started. Right. Um, You know, it's interesting. So I told you before the season started that I thought the Canadians were a little bit better this season than they were last season. This is just This is just my opinion. Yeah. And then, you know at the beginning of every game when they tell you where the four lines are and who's playing with who? Yeah, I have to tell you, last year, every time I'd watch a game and I'd see the four lines, I would look at the fourth line and I'd say, that fourth line belongs in the American Hockey League. Right. And the third line isn't much better. Yeah. Now, when I see the four lines, I don't think that anymore. The third and fourth line are actually decent. The, The Canadians forwards are very balanced. They have a lot of firepower. I don't want to say firepower because they don't have any stars really, but they have a lot of offensive capability on all the lines, basically, right? The 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 that's what makes them a strong five on five team because they keep coming at you with one line after another after another, short shifts, and they keep coming after you, right? It's their defense that's not so great, and Price has been like average at best, you know, which is why they're kind of at five hundred, you know. Now the interesting thing is I didn't realize this until yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um. Apparently, the Canadians have the seventh best power play in the league. And I don't think that's happened since Guy Lafleur was on the team. 
well, they, they were like second worst power play in the league last year, I think, in the whole league. Like they were awful last yes, year. Yes, they were. They've been um, awful for like twenty something years. No, they they're you're forgetting there's been there were some good power play years. When Guy Carbono was the coach. Yeah, they they had some good power play years when Kovalev was around. Kovalev, Sheldon Sure, Markov. Era. You're right. You're right. I they wasn't. Some, I, you're right. I wasn't. Uh, rem- I wasn't had, remembering that. They had some good, good power play units back then. But yeah, they're getting it. Ju- they're getting it done. Look, look. There's no reason for them to not be at least league average on the power play. Well, they're better right? than average. You know, you put on Drouin, Domi, Weber. Like, wh- why would you be bad? You know. So. But this year, the problem is the penalty killing, which I think they're dead last. Horrible, horrible. And that, I mean, that's coaching. Which A explains why. Coaching. I guess, which explains why they're in 11th place in their conference. Yeah, they're they're right there. They're they're the same record as basically a lot of other teams, you know. But it was a big win last night against their big rival, the Leafs. Yeah, I know. The Canadians have been lucky in that they've played the Leafs every time the Leafs have had a back-to-back. And the Leafs have this thing, I don't know if you know. I where saw. Anytime they have a back-to-back, they use, they lose. They use um, Frederick Anderson in the first game of the back-to-back. Mm-hmm. So the Canadians have been lucky to face the lead singer of In Excess, twice already this year. <laughs> What's his name? Hutchinson. The goalie is Hutchinson, but the lead singer of In Excess is of Michael course. Hutchins. Michael Hutchins. Right. But, got you know, it's... I, it's... Got, I, I got your joke there. Thanks. I see I, where I, you went with it. I appreciate that. I, I see where you went with that. And they never tear us apart. But, but in Toronto, are they worried about the Leafs? I don't know if they're worried, but they're like, you know... I mean, they're team... not doing... Great. They're no, not they're not doing, doing great, great and and the expectations are obviously crazy high and yeah. So so you know I mean when when if you would have told people that the Leafs would be in seventh place at this point, yeah. I mean yes, it's early, but and and you can you can jump four spots in the standings with one win. Yeah, I'm sure they're disappointed. Also, you know Tavares is injured, right? So they're not playing with a full deck. I feel like I feel like if they lose in the first round of the playoffs again. Which could happen, making, by the way. I'm making the assumption that they're going to make the playoffs, which is pretty safe, I guess. I I wonder, like, is Babcock's job in jeopardy? Oh, if they if they lose in the first round, yeah, he's I, gone. I, I think th- I think he's gone. Yeah, and the thing so is, and it's unfortunate because I don't even think it's really his fault. Like, if you were the coach of the Leafs and you had this roster, you'd probably do exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, the roster is the roster is. Really loaded with talent, but it's not constructed properly, right? It's not constructed like it's just not. It's all forwards and no defense and like a decent goalie, you know. Like, well, you just said about the Canadians how their ba- their their forwards are balanced, but their defense is their weakness. Yeah, the Leafs are almost the same. They're almost constructed the same way as the Canadians, and yeah. neither the Leafs nor the Canadians are built in a way to win in the playoffs. I mean, if no, you look at the not. if you look at how the St. Louis Blues roster is constructed, that's true. You know, that's true. Um, it yeah. all depends. Yeah. It all depends who the Leafs play. You know, they could get lucky. Like that year that the Canadians uh, made it to the conference finals. Was it against the Rangers? Yeah. They they didn't have to face teams that they wouldn't have fared well against yeah. until they yeah. got to the Rangers. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. yeah. So, who knows? Who knows? All right. So that's hockey. I really didn't expect to talk about hockey tonight. What else do you want to talk about? The National Football League. Um, did you watch well, did you watch any football today? 
I watched a little bit of the Bills Eagles game today, and the Eagles yeah. pissed me off yet again in my pool because every time wearing. I picked them to win, they lose, and every time I picked them to lose, they win. You can see what I'm wearing. I can see what you're wearing. Yes, I'm wearing um, my Eagles, my Eagles Super Bowl champion scarf. Speaking of football, um, mm-hmm. so I haven't watched a lot of football in October because of the playoffs, the baseball playoffs. Yeah. Um, and every night there's always a lot of different options of, of sports to watch. But this past Thursday, I don't know if you noticed, the only live sporting event that you could watch was football. So I was forced to watch the the Minnesota-Washington game. Ugh. I didn't even turn it on. I didn't even turn it on, the Minnesota-Washington game. I had no no like desire to see what was going on there. I lo- next morning I looked at the score and that was that. You, you didn't know? miss I anything. Didn't- I really didn't, couldn't care like what happened there. So you didn't yeah. miss anything. No. So it was. It was. I loved watching the Eagles today. They really uh, played well. <laughs> I don't want to risk making this into an Eagles podcast, but it was good to see them get a win. And they they needed that win. If they lost today, you could almost say they're done. Oh, it would have been. It would have been over. Season over. So. And, the and NFL by the way, trade and, deadline is uh, coming. By the way, I think it's on Tuesday. Sorry, the NFL trade deadline? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. So, But you know I what? Mean, There's I... already been a lot of trades in the NFL this season, more than I can ever recall seeing before. But there's some big names that are potentially on the move. So it could be an interesting little week uh, in the in the between games this week. Like Patrick Peterson on the Cardinals and um, A.J. Green on Cincinnati, who's coming back from injury. There's rumors that he might be moved. Basically, the teams that are... Teams that are in a full rebuild mode, Kenyon Drake on the Dolphins, they're going to move that guy for sure. So um, contenders can pick up some good good players this week. This is where this is where you're going to see a crazy trade where like a superstar on one team gets trade traded for a fourth round pick or something. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Someone's getting traded for a fourth round pick this week, and you're going to be scratching your head saying, "What a fourth round pick?" I never understand <laughs> that's, it. That's the way it goes in the NFL, no? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it really is the way it goes in the NFL. The National Basketball Association. Well, I just wanted to say that uh, after we recorded our last episode. Mm-hmm. Like 24 hours later or 12 hours later, I found out that Zion Williamson has a torn meniscus and is going to miss six to eight weeks, oh, yeah, which true. is which is much more serious than what the team was leading on prior to that. It's true. When we recorded last week, we thought maybe he'd be out for a couple of weeks. We didn't think it was serious. And now he's gone for two months, right? Yeah. So I'm, I was disappointed to hear that. That's all. Pelicans are already 0-3 without him. <laughs> and... What are you going to say? You know, like, I hope he comes back. I hope he comes back healthy. But it's kind of scary, right? Because, man, did he look, does he look like he can really, like, tear up this league and be the next superstar, you know? And I it hope, would be a I pity. He, uh, it would be a pity if he if he's physically unable to do that. You know? I just hope he's healthy and I hope he's able to play, you know, obviously not this season, but 80 games a year or 82 games a year and... That's all. That's all I hope. Yeah. You know what? By the time he comes back, the Pelicans are basically going to be out of it. And they're probably not even, they're going to baby him along, probably, you know? Well, I mean, I hope he plays. I hope so too. Before we sign off, remember, you can listen and subscribe to new and archived episodes of the Skip and Josh podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and of course, Spotify. 
If you listen to the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. We would love to hear from you via email, skipandjoshshow at gmail.com, via Twitter at skipandjosh, or by liking and following our Facebook page. As always, you can get all the links to everything I just talked about on our website, skipandjosh.com. We leave you with this. Josh, last week, um, I wanted to mention something that um, we didn't have time for. Which is two weeks ago you talked about how they're using the robo ump in one of the lower leagues. So I, I actually looked it up and it's the Arizona Fall League that's using the computerized uh, strike zone for all their games. And there was an interesting little news article. The little brother of uh, Jason Hayward of the Cubs, he got thrown out of an Arizona Fall Arizona Fall League game for arguing in balls and strikes. Arguing with <laughs> the computer? Well, with that's what I don't understand, right? Because, like, who are you arguing with, right? So you say something. He basically said, like, that was crazy. I didn't like that call. And the ump threw him out. But, like, usually, but, like, the ump, the, the human ump actually has, like, why was he offended, you know? Like, what what did he do so bad, bad to get himself ejected, you know? So it's just the whole thing is a little bit weird. That is weird. Um, because you yeah. can't argue with a robot. You can't. You can't. And then I started thinking about the next thing, and I know we talked about this. So what's right now we're in the situation where every play, every play by a human official is basically challenged by instant replay, right? When you watch the NFL, every play is basically challenged. In baseball, everything you look at, they show you the instant replay right away in all the sports. But when that, what's going to happen if they have that computerized strike zone? Then what's going to happen? Are the, are the managers going to be able to challenge the computerized strike zone and ask the human umpire to override it they should not be allowed to do that because if you decide that you're using the robot or the computer or whatever you want to call it yeah. then whatever that call is is fine and, and, and if it happens to make a mistake which it, it might make a mistake one percent of the time that's yeah. still better than a human umpire because a human well, umpire makes mistakes more than one percent of the time and we didn't talk about it earlier when we were talking about baseball but the uh, Dave Martinez was not happy. Who was it, Dave Martinez? Yes. There was the game that he was not happy. Sanchez pitched. He was not happy with some of the calls uh, when when Sanchez was pitching. But if you look at what the computer said, the calls yeah. were right. The calls are right. The computer had it right. So there yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you got? Okay, so this is maybe a couple of weeks old. Mm-hmm. But last weekend, when I was watching. A lot of sports as I do mm-hmm. for two days last this is maybe last week or two weekends ago I don't remember exactly for two days I kept seeing the same commercial over and over and over again and it was a commercial telling me to stay tuned because Monday there was gonna be another commercial and the commercial on Monday was a trailer for the movie Star Wars and it oh, was so they- annoying to me like you're telling hype? me to stay tuned. This is a commercial telling me to stay tuned for a commercial. Yeah, there was a lot of hype. There was a lot of hype about that Star Wars trailer. Let me tell you. And then, and then I finally saw the trailer, and it wasn't even that great. Well, all I could say about the Star Wars trailer is, for any Star Wars fan out there, anybody, the last movie had an amazing trailer. The last Star Wars movie that was out. The trailer was incredible. I was so excited to see the movie. How was the movie movie, itself? That movie was hot garbage. Okay? That movie was so bad. Star Wars The Last Jedi. That movie is so bad. Like, it never deserves to be watched. I've only ever watched it once. I never went back and rewatched it or anything. 
and it had an amazing trailer. So all the Star Wars fans that are super hyped because this is the next, the, the uh, trailer for Rise of Skywalker looks really great, just remember how excited you were when you saw the trailer a couple years ago. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad I was able to get that off my chest. One more thing. The, in the Eagles uh, Patriots ga- uh, Eagles uh, Bills game today, you know how Peyton Manning would always scream out like Omaha, Omaha, you know when he's changing the place. Yeah. Josh Allen of the Bills today screamed out Charlie Sheen. Really? Yeah. And Matthew was like, "Did he just say Charlie Sheen? <laughs> Did the play work? No, no, it didn't. <laughs> and that's that. All right. Well, I'll All talk right. to you. I'll talk to you next week then. Have fun watching the World Series tonight. And uh, yeah, next time we talk, we'll 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 know who the champ is. Okay. Talk to you next time. Bye.